From KIOS in Omaha, you're listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock, and today I'm talking with Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale about the upcoming Flatwater Film Festival. A lot of people don't know that the film scene is is here, and it's it's all over the place. And even said myself, I focus so much on Lincoln and Omaha that even I forget sometimes that they're everywhere. Yeah, you could put your film up on uh, on YouTube, but how cool would it be to see your film up on the big screen? That's what helps build those filmmakers. If we can help them get closer and closer to that quote-unquote uh, Hollywood experience, then I think we've done our job. We're talking about the Nebraska independent film scene, what to expect at this year's festival, and their vision for the film culture here going forward. Stay tuned for the conversation after this break. Welcome to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. When we think of Nebraska filmmakers, the most obvious example that tends to come up is Alexander Payne. And there was a point when Payne was making independent films here, but that was a long time ago now. In the meantime, there have been many local filmmakers working and showcasing their projects. Providing a platform for Nebraska filmmakers to screen their work, network, and build a community with each other is the mission of the Flatwater Film Festival. And today I'm talking with two of its founders, Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale. This year's Flatwater Film Festival is on October 6th through 8th at the historic Rivoli Theater in downtown Seward, Nebraska. Here is our conversation. So uh, Nebraska film, particularly independent film, I think it's it's always kind of stuck in a little bit of the shadow of Alexander Payne. Like I remember feeling that way when I got started getting into film, that inevitably you were sort of going to have to navigate the fact that you're not Alexander Payne, but he is most people's reference point for a person making a movie in Nebraska, for better or worse. And I, maybe I'm alone in that. Do you guys, if you had to navigate the uh, legacy of Alexander Payne as you make movies that are very not Alexander Payne-like? <laughs> well, you know, I have been nominated for about five or six movies. That's a lie. Um, <laughs> it's it's never been in in my mind. You know, I mean, he's he's out there, he's doing his thing, but I kind of disassociate what he's doing from what we're doing because he's obviously leaps and bounds ahead of where we're at, and he's obviously getting the the large, gigantic budgets we wish we had, but. We're we're kind of doing things less on the business side, more on the the fun, creating art, hanging out with our friends over a weekend, and um, doing something we all enjoy. Side, yeah, we're stuck in this like micro budget land, you know, where it's it's not like it's independent, but like you know, it independent anymore. You know, films ha- even now they have more money than than a lot of us do. We're in this weird micro budget world where you know we make money we we, we, we make films for like, no money so right um i don't even know if we call us independent anymore you know it's <laughs> well, just it's not it's not the same as it used to be well it's, it's funny that the word independent it does it doesn't really mean uh the economics it sort of means a, an aesthetic right it's like it's a it's a brand itself of a type of independent movie uh Whereas micro budget is like an actual practical term. It's funny when people call something like sideways independent, which was made for however many millions of dollars backed by a big mm-hmm. studio, right? So for people who maybe don't know, what, what does it mean to actually be independent, to be making micro budget movies? What, what is a micro budget movie? <laughs> it, uh, it is out of pocket 
um, begging, uh, not begging, um, but kind of begging friends to uh, to join your uh, your team and your film and act and do um, any technical stuff that you need, begging for locations. It's it's truly like almost at this point, um, you know, it's kind of begging. But any, <laughs> honestly, though, like we don't even, you know, it used to we used to have to beg a lot more. It's it's a funny thing in Nebraska now how there's so many of us now, and a lot of places have opened up a little more to um, us wanting to make films in their locations, and and actors now are happy to do your project for you know, a lunch or a dinner and an IMDb credit. So, you know, um, that's, that's kind of what micro budget is anymore here. Well, uh, to frame it away from begging people to be in your movie, another way to say it is th- these are always sort of labors of love, right? Absolutely. It, yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's funny. You, you say begging Josh and you're, you're right, but it's, it's a little bit, uh, a little bit nicer version of begging where, you know, I think about when, uh, Josh and I kind of got started about 15 some years ago. And, uh, you know, we, we have seen a big change in that where we, I, Josh, I can't remember how many times we kicked your parents out of their house to film there and use that location just because it was free. But yeah, you've, you've seen a gigantic shift on the micro budget filming where it's becoming a more publicly, publicly recognized uh, hobby and, activity for uh for the local community where you you have people who are saying hey if you want to shoot out in our farmland we've got this open or hey we've got a a gas station if you want to come in at eight nine ten o'clock at night when we're a little slower come on in and shoot and it's it's kind of cool to have seen that growth in uh in nebraska at least obviously i haven't been in any other states and seen how their um their film has grown their film community has grown but just here in nebraska it's it's exploded in the last decade or so what why has it exploded is that because the tech is just easier for people to get a hold of i i would say absolutely you know um when i when i was kind of in college i was trying to navigate what i wanted to do with my life or what i wanted to be when i grew up if you will and um film wasn't really that big of a uh of a, of a pathway for people to take unless you wanted to go out to the coasts to New York or LA. And, um, since then, you know, with the, with the growth of YouTube and the, uh, the channels that are on there that are teaching people how to use lesser, I don't want to say lesser, um, smaller equipment or more tangible equipment, to create films and with uh, community colleges coming out with film programs that you can do and things like that. It's that's where the boom has come from. It's, it's such a more widely accepted market because businesses alone are using video for anything and everything they can use it for. Well, so the, the, the what I can think of is maybe like the start of the micro budget boom would be uh, the mumblecore movement, which again is not really a lot of what I would see at uh, the Prairie Lights Festival or the Flatwater Film Festival. Did, does mumblecore pave the way for any of this, or is that just happening kind of on its own in Chicago and some of those other big art hubs? 
you know, I I don't know if I have a good answer to that because I'm I'm not overly familiar with the the mumblecore subgenre. Um, I would say that if it's probably has helped pave the way in some way, but I I don't know enough about it to talk intelligently about it. That probably answers the question though, right? It's, it wasn't on your mind. That, exactly. There you go. <laughs> well, okay. So one of the other things you mentioned in there was that anybody can sort of make something. The second it's done, they can put it on Vimeo, they can put it on YouTube, they can put it on TikTok or whatever. Um, and so what what's the argument for having a shared platform as opposed to just everybody throwing it out into the fractured landscape of our uh, our media landscape why, why why is it important for people to all be in the same room in a movie theater watching these things surrounded by other people you know for for us at the the festival it just kind of shows a camaraderie in the in the in the film community it shows that people are here to you know, support other people's film projects. Um, and, uh, you know, I, for, for the festival that, that we run, it's, it's a celebration um, more than anything. It's gathering Nebraska filmmakers together in a room and just, you know, showing and uh, screening, you know, their, um, their accomplishment uh, more than anything, you know. Um, not everybody gets the opportunity to to make something and it, have it screened on a on a big screen in the movie theater. And um, so, you know, I, I just think it's, you know, getting people together in that room and and showing um, support for each other and, uh, you know, getting an opportunity to, to, to screen something in front of a crowd is just an important thing for us here. And to, to kind of add on to that, I, I think there's there's that shared experience of being in a theater with other audience members. Like you, you think about the last time you went to a, a comedy movie that you just you were rolling on the floor laughing out loud. Were you sitting in that theater by yourself? Likely not. Or a horror movie where the girl next to you screamed out loud when Michael Myers jumped out from behind a door. You didn't jump if you were sitting there by yourself or maybe you did, what have you, but it's, it's that shared experience that really helps enhance the, uh, the film. And that's, that's kind of what we, what we hope for to get all those people in the theater is we collectively did something that is, is something you would never even think about trying to do in your normal, uh, your normal life. So I think that's the, that's the, the best example of having that, that shared experience. Yeah, I'll say as far as comedies go, I love to be in a theater surrounded by people laughing. Um, to, to provide a counterexample, when I saw the movie Bottoms, this uh, this new movie, it was me and there was one other person in the theater. She was not sitting anywhere near me. It was just the two of us. I was uh, laughing like a madman the whole thing. She, I don't think, laughed <laughs> once. And I did really enjoy the movie, but it was awkward. Sure, sure. <laughs> um <laughs> So, okay, when you guys were making stuff, when you got started, you said around 15 years ago, what was the first time you guys had anything that played on a movie theater? Was that at uh, at a film festival? Was it at Prairie Lights? It wasn't. We um, screened our first film at the Ross um, when they kind of used to do that, I guess, for, for filmmakers here. I don't know if they do that anymore, but um, we knew somebody that uh, kind of ran that and reached out to them and uh, got to experience um, 
our first film in front of a full theater um, and a, on a full crowd. Um, and that was a huge deal uh, for us. I mean, that was probably easily one of the, the coolest experiences that uh, I've had in, um, in filmmaking. So that's where we started. Yeah. Greg, do you, do you have any thoughts on the first time you got to see your work on the, on the big screen? Ooh. Um, you know, I, I remember that and I was, I was terribly nerve wracked just because you don't know what to expect. Um, I know that was, I mean, that was a, a collective effort. The first time I got to see my film on the big screen or one of the film, no, it was my film. Um, was at, uh, the film festival, the Prairie Lights film festival. And it's, it's one of the coolest things that you can, you can do as a filmmaker because it's, it's your baby. You're finally getting to show off this, this thing that you've worked so hard for. And, you know, most directors are going to say, yeah, whatever, what I, what I made was terrible, but you still put the, the, the sweat equity into it. And it's, it's an incredible feeling getting to see that. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale about this year's Flatwater Film Festival, which will be held on October 6th through 8th at the historic Rivoli Theater in downtown Seward, Nebraska. Who's your favorite local filmmaker? What's your favorite film made by a Nebraskan? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. For people who aren't familiar with the Prairie Lights Film Festival, that was in Grand Island, and I don't know how many years that ran for, but how did you guys start to get involved with that as as a an operation that was exclusively wanting to highlight Nebraska filmmakers? It, it ran for seven, um, so it had seven really good years in Grand Island. Um, I knew Matt through uh, filmmaking as well. Uh, we had worked on each other's uh, projects. Um, Matt ran that pretty much by himself for the first few years. Um, but we went every year and he always, um, invited us to screen something at the festival. If we had something to screen, um, as those years kind of went, he, it got really busy and he needed some extra hands. Um, and I, for me personally, I was happy to, to jump in and, um, kind of help out wherever uh, he needed help. But we went all seven years and uh, he kind of let us run loose on a lot of the stuff that, you know, we wanted to, to do with that festival. Um, and that's kind of where, uh, when that ended, it's kind of where Flatwater started. So were there conversations about taking it over of like continuing to do it in your image without Matt Kister or what was the decision to then make it your own thing as a whole new festival in a new city? There was conversations with Matt when he told us that he was thinking about wrapping it up. We had, um, cause he had kind of burnt out a little bit after the, the, the years he did it. Um, there's conversations about, just taking it over and continuing to do it in Grand Island at the Grand. Um, and he was uh, really supportive of what we wanted to do, but he uh, also wanted us to do it under our own um, kind of festival name. And he wanted to, uh, he wanted us to be able to do kind of the things that we wanted to do and, um, and, and create something Kind of new, um, but we had always talked about when that ended, if, if we were going to do a festival, 
it was going to be in the same spirit as, as Prairie Lights because the way he ran that festival and the opportunities he gave filmmakers to screen on a, on a big screen in the movie theater was something that was super important for me um, to take away and, uh, and continue. Yeah, so when, when you were working on uh, the Prairie Lights Film Festival, what were some of the things you learned, some of the lessons you learned, or things maybe not to do, uh, as, or things that just weren't aligning with your vision as you decided, okay, we're going to make our own thing next? Um, I don't think there was anything personally I learned not to do. Um, that I didn't see you know, anything that they were doing um, kind of go, go wrong. I think what what we wanted to do um, with Flatwater from Prairie Lights, you know, was add, there was things that w- we're doing that I kind of wish he would have had the opportunity to do. Um, because as we've kind of uh, gone on the last couple years, because we're going into year three, we, we added uh, quite a few things that um, we wanted to kind of make new for, for Flatwater that, that Prey Lights didn't do. Um, you know, it was, there was networking opportunities every year at Prey Lights, but they weren't really promoted. And, and you know, there's, there's panels that we do at Flatwater that he didn't get to do at Prey Lights. So I think it was more of a, you know, a, we have a team that Matt did not have. And I think that's a big thing. Uh, Matt went solo, like I said, a lot of years. And when we kicked off, we kicked off with a team that um, had a lot of really great ideas. And uh, and we work and we vote and we do everything as a team. Who all is on the team? Um, Greg, I know, but Greg has- <laughs> go ahead, Greg. <laughs> so uh, myself, Josh, uh, Josh's wife, Elizabeth. Uh, Patrick Lambrecht, Heather Waite, and uh, my wife, Emily Gale, are the originating members of the Flatwater Film Festival. And so some of these ideas you're bringing to it, I mean, I know networking was something that it would kind of inevitably happen at Prairie Lights just because people would want to go watch their movie or a movie that they were kind of involved with or someone they knew had made. And so you inevitably had this big gathering, this kind of like exodus of all the Nebraska filmmakers to come to the Prairie Lights every year. And uh, Flatwater has taken that over. How do you guys uh, want to sort of create a space for networking, for community building that, uh, you know, like what's, what's the vision for that? Really, it's it's just that. It's finding the opportunities to get the filmmakers together in a space. They don't have to worry about missing films that are on screen, but they, they have that opportunity to get around and, and meet those people who are making these films and, um, you know, bouncing advice from uh, new filmmakers to old filmmakers or vice versa, or saying, Hey, I've got a project in the works. I need somebody to run sound. You're good at running sound. Would you come work on my crew with me? Things like that, and that's I think that's the the biggest piece of it is just um, that collaborative effort of getting those filmmakers face to face, even if it's that one time a year. We'd love to do it multiple times a year, but this once a year is um, it's it's a great opportunity for them to be able to do that, and then take away whatever they've learned, whoever they've met, and going out and making the films that they want to make, but better. 
whatever they've made the previous year, they do it a step above. Is there uh, an example from your life when you were screening things or meeting other filmmakers where you had an opportunity to talk to somebody that gave you advice or insight or help that sort of changed your next project or maybe your trajectory as a filmmaker? Like everywhere. Um, you know, we, we've got to meet so many great people, so many great filmmakers at, uh, at Prairie Lights. And I, 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 I'm a little bit more on the introverted side. So walking up to people and saying, hey, can you help me or give me advice in doing this? That's, that's not my cup of tea. Where I learn from most is seeing the other people's films of, oh, I never thought to do an angle like that, or I never thought to do this particular lighting shot or things like that. So for me, it's, it's getting to see all those films and not only learning from other people making those films, but being able to see them, their, the different projects year after year, seeing the growth that they have within them of, I see that you, you changed this or you're using a different lighting system or you're doing uh, something with a different camera, things like that. That's, that's probably the biggest piece that I take away from all those. And where I learn the most is the, uh, the technical side of being able to watch those films. The, um, the Nebraska independent film project when we first started, um, was a really awesome and they still are, uh, was a really great resource. Um, we would go to their meetings when they were having those. And those are the, the people that, you know, really gave us our first opportunity to, to make a film, um, because they, um, they had equipment equipment (laughs) that we didn't have that we could use. Um, and they gave us a lot of really great advice. Um, one of those things were, why are you guys starting with a feature film and not a short? Um, <laughs> that was dopey. Um, but the, that, that, that group of people uh, were v- very helpful in us getting started as well. And it's really great that, um, you know, 15 years later, that with the Flatwater Film Festival, Nebraska Independent Film project is a is a sponsor of ours and we go through those guys and they're out there every year and one of the things they do a panel and you know one of the things that i'm kind of hoping to come from those panels is a new filmmaker uh emerges from that that somebody that is really interested in making a film doesn't know where to get started doesn't know how to get started is sitting in that room and they learn um, or they get some information that they need on how to get started and, and where to start. It's, it's kind of coming from the other direction, but I, I was thinking about when I talked to Dan Mervish um, about when he got to meet Robert Altman, and Robert Altman was probably 75 and kind of became a mentor for him. He said the, one, the biggest piece of advice that stuck out to him was uh, Altman told him, it doesn't get any easier. <laughs> which it's maybe dispiriting, but also kind of nice to know that even Altman was struggling uh, as, as he went on to make, you know, all kinds of great movies toward the end there. Yeah. Well, um, that advice 15 years ago may have put the, uh, the kibosh on us because <laughs> it's, it, it's it you know, 15 years later, it's still a struggle. <laughs> well, what, what keeps you in it? Well, even like every time I've made a movie, it's been something you kind of have to will it into existence it's somewhere between miserable and exhilarating to actually put it all together. It sucks up so much time and energy. And like, yeah, you're not totally sure if it was worth it, but you keep going back to it, right? What brings you back to it? Um, honestly, um, 
I love just at this point hanging out with my friends and, and making cool stuff. A lot of my friends are in the film community and that's just kind of like our excuse at this point to get together. Um, it used to be podcasting, but now, um, you know, it, the filmmaking thing is, is uh, really an excuse to, to kind of get our friends together and, and make some cool stuff. And that's, that's what keeps me in it. Um, I, I, I keep saying that I, I, this is my last one and this is my last one. And then I have so much fun on my last one that I'm, I'm wanting to do another one. Um, and that's, that's where I am at this point. Um, just, I, I, I can't quit. So it's almost like a drug addiction, the way you described it there. <laughs> like I it's kind of, it kind of is. <laughs> Greg, you want to put a rosier spin on that, like we did with the begging thing? Um, you know, it's a lot of that is is the exact same things for me. I've I've met some of the the coolest, most talented people being able to do films. Uh, it's the creative process for me. It's it's uh, being able to see something that you've created on paper go into the um, the the workshopping, the table reads, the pre production, the production, all the stages of post production, and seeing that on screen. It, it's literally like watching your baby grow up and go out into the world so that the public can meet it. Um, it's I, I I love that aspect of of being able to create that film and uh again it's it's the people that you work with you know i i wouldn't have worked with josh for as many years as i have if i had known he was going to stick me in a house with no heating in the three o'clock in the morning and covered the basement in blood <laughs> but it, he's he's one of the most fun people i've ever worked with and one of the most ambitious filmmakers i've ever worked with so getting to meet those people is just it's an incredible experience I wouldn't have worked with Josh either if I would have known he was going to do that 15 years ago. I'm talking with Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale about this year's Flatwater Film Festival, which will be held on October 6th through 8th at the historic Rivoli Theater in downtown Seward, Nebraska. Stay tuned for the rest of the conversation after this break. Welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. You can find the backlog of all of our episodes wherever you get podcasts. And while you're there, we'd love it if you gave us a review. Today, I'm talking with Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale about this year's Flatwater Film Festival, which will be held on October 6th through 8th at the historic Rivoli Theater in downtown Seward, Nebraska, and features exclusively Nebraska-made films. Here's the rest of our conversation. In the 15 years you guys have been doing this, do you think the kinds of independent movies people want to make, whether that's in terms of subject or style, has the Nebraska micro-budget scene changed? Has it evolved in any meaningful ways? 
see, now you got me on this like rosy spin thing. And <laughs> now I'm trying to be like, I don't want to, I'm going to say something that's going to be like, that was kind of a turd, but here we go. Anyway, look, the, uh, the films that are coming out now, the stuff that people are making now, um, it, it, it's, I love watching the, the, the new filmmakers ambitions. I, I love to see the, the big things they're making. Um, I love seeing how, um, you know, high they're, they're, they're shooting for because they're, they're making really, really good stuff. And that's not saying, here we go, that 15 years ago, nobody was making anything good. It's just, it's just, they're shooting higher than we did 15 years ago, I feel like. Um, and, you know, genre-wise, there was a lot of horror that used to come out of Nebraska. There was a scene where a lot of filmmakers were making that genre for whatever reason. And those filmmakers um, are, I can't find them anymore. Just nobody's really making those anymore. Um, but what they're making is really great and, and funny comedies and really great dramas. And the documentaries that are coming out of Nebraska are crazy good. Um, so I don't know if that answers your question, Tom. I'm just ranting yeah. at this point. Well, but, I, mean, I, I remember well, when, when I met you guys, uh, it was with my first movie almost a weekend that played at Prairie Lights. And I yeah. I remember mm-hmm. I, I was bringing this witty comedy about uh, pretentious jerks and I was surrounded by all, a ton of horror. And I thought, oh, maybe maybe this, you know, like, I, I guess I was probably working under that shadow of Alexander Payne I talked about where I was like, I got to make uh, the witty comedy. And then it seemed like nobody else was doing that. And it's funny because now, you're right, it's it's less horror centric. And now, now I find myself thinking like, you know, it'd be fun to do a horror movie. So maybe I'm just <laughs> behind the times or ahead or who knows what. Greg, what do you think? I, I think that there's a lot more confidence in filmmaking now than there was when we got started. Um, I, I believe a lot of that comes from the the availability that people have to make films where you could shoot something on your iPhone and it looks almost as good as a, a DSLR at, at this point. But you're also learning how to do storytelling, which is the number one most important thing in filmmaking is the story and with that confidence people can do a lot more things i i don't want to stigma on horror because it's an easier genre to shoot or to get into because there's not a lot of heavy storylines that go within horror it's it's a lot of fluff it's a lot of blood and it's it's easy to create a horror film Whereas if you throw somebody into a, into, not a genre, a, uh, a drama or even a comedy, for me, comedy is one of the hardest genres to shoot in because you don't know what's funny. And you got to figure out what's funny you want people to like it. And with, the, with all the information that's out there on the internet, being able to use YouTube or the, the programs within community colleges or universities or whatever, the kids that are coming out and doing these filmmaking, the filmmaking now, they've got that confidence to use the equipment that they are working with to build incredible, incredible stories and put those all together on editing that used to cost thousands of dollars. I, um, I think we, we paid almost a grand for... Uh, for a uh, not Adobe, um, what was the other one? Final Cut. 
I think we paid a grand for the final cut suite when we first got started, but we had to take out a loan to do that. And that was one of the stupidest moves we've ever did, but here we are now. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's incredible. The, the ease that there is to be able to make these films. And you're seeing that with the content that's coming out now. You know, I, I'm going to stand up for horror. I think uh, the older I get, the more movies I watch, the more I appreciate the craft of horror. And I think horror teaches you craft <laughs> in unique ways, right? It teaches you to appreciate the frame and every every element of the sound and music. You're paying attention to all of it. Uh, and maybe you're more self-aware, and maybe that's what some people don't like about it, that maybe you, you lose some of the self-awareness of craft when you watch a drama because you're invested in the characters. But I don't know. There, there's something about horror that's impressive, especially if you can get an interesting scare, if you can get a little bit of suspense. There's a lot of decisions that are being made that are good, right? This this is true. And I'll, I'll, Josh, I'll let you jump in here. I know you, you know horror way better than I do. I, I don't want horror to come off like it's a... Uh, you press record, you kill somebody, and that's your horror film. It's 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 a lot more surface level than the depth that you get into uh, a drama of sorts. But yes, I, I completely agree with you. Yeah, horror fans are some of the most forgiving people on the planet as well. I mean, you can do some real goofy things, and you can get away with a couple of things, um, and they will forgive you uh, if some most everything else goes right. Um, so... Uh, but thank you, Tom. I will say thank you for defending horror because nobody else, <laughs> nobody really does that. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, but like I said, I, I think horror, I think people are waking up to it, uh, more now. Um, especially with a lot of the stuff that's coming out. Um, so Yeah. So are there any uh, exciting horror movies or non-horror movies that are playing this year? What, do you, what What's the lineup look like? Uh, <laughs> we, we've got a ridiculous documentary block. We've got some incredible, incredible documentaries that are dropping this year. Those were the, the biggest ones that stood out to me. Um, you know, we, we've got some other great films. I, I don't want to discount any of those other ones, but just like Josh said, some of the, just the documentaries of, what we've got, I mean, the subjects that they're talking about, we've got one that's a, uh, a Sandhills crane documentary where they follow cranes in an airplane, which was really awesome. We've got one on the, the Nebraska male gymnastics team that was shot beautifully, absolutely beautifully. And um, yeah, I, those are the biggest ones that stood out for me. Yeah. Not a lot of horror is, is rolling in anymore. And, and that's okay. That's, that's really okay. We have, a couple of horror films and the horror films that came in are a ton of fun. Um, but like, yeah, like Greg said, a lot of documentaries came through um, and we have a really great documentary block. Uh, we have a really, really great student block that oh, yes. you know, spans different genres. Um, but, you know, we have the dramas that came in are great and the comedies that came in that are, are, are really great. And we have a silent film in there. That's really, really great. And, it just it just kind of spreads through every genre um, throughout the weekend, and it, we we had a lot of really great films submitted this year. And we so, did. yeah, um, the the festival lineup is a really great festival lineup. So I think as as the time I was doing this prep, I didn't see an official schedule or anything. Is there like an opening night film, or do you, do you do that? Is that part of the the procedure here? 
Kind of. Um, we we use Friday night as more of a, a sampler platter is what we've kind of grown to call it, where we find a, a bunch of different genre films that are playing this year and you put them on Friday night. So you kind of get that essence of here's what this weekend will look like, or here's, here's kind of a, a good representation of the films that you're going to be seeing this weekend. That's, that's what we're using our, uh, our Friday night or our opening night, if you will. Now I know Prairie lights would, uh, part of the way they would schedule things were the, more family-friendly fair would be played early, and then the the gorier, more nudes, like a lot of nude scenes would happen late in the night. Like I remember, I would I would yep. uh, wonder why is my movie playing at ten a.m. on Saturday, and they'd say, "Oh, because nobody's naked in it." <laughs> yeah, is that, uh, is, that, is that all? Does that carry over? Is it the like getting more R-rated as it goes? That a hundred percent carried over. Um, yes. Again, one of the things that we also do is we put a rating in the program and on the screen. So um, not only do we play those kind of uh, more mature films later, but we also let everybody know in advance, hey, after this time, things get a little more dark um, or risque or the uh, the the rating gets a little bit um, uh, more mature. So, but yeah, that definitely carried over from, from Prairie Lights. We, we play all those films uh, later in the day. Now, this, this festival is in Seward. How did you land on Seward and the Rivoli as the location? When, when we first got started, uh, that was the number one thing that we wanted to figure out. Because obviously, if you don't have a theater, you don't have a film festival. So we uh, actually, we didn't. I think Heather did the majority of the legwork on that. <laughs> called around to a bunch of different theaters around towns. Um, we wanted to to bring it a little bit closer to the east side of Nebraska, just because the majority of the filmmakers are on the east side, but we also didn't want to alienate small town filmmakers at all. And when we landed on Seward, it just, everything clicked. They were looking to do something like a film festival. They just didn't know how to do that. Um, and we said, you know, if, if you're willing to partner with us, we'll we'll take care of all the film festival side and you just you host, you'll and we'll we'll make it work. And um, the Weishearts and uh, Connie, who as uh, their daughter, they just they've been incredible partners, incredible, incredible support for allowing us to do that. And, you know, we've we've wanted to continue that partnership with them because they've been so gracious to us. Yeah, we we visited. We did a visit with them at the theater before the festival started, and uh, they just had so much energy, and they were so excited about a festival coming in. And if you haven't been to that theater before, it it's a beautiful theater. Um, it's just really great, and you know, uh, Julie has more energy than I've ever seen on, on any person on the planet, and. She's so excited about all the just about film in general. Um, it was pretty much the the perfect place. It was the best place we could have landed. Yeah, it, it's interesting because there's there's these big hubs of people making movies in Omaha and Lincoln and some of the bigger cities. Uh, but it, I think it's been uh, part of the charm of Prairie Lights and now Flatwater to be outside of the hubs, not so far outside, right? But it sort of signals that it's a it's a an affair for the whole state where wherever you're from. You don't feel like you're being excluded because you're not uh, someone who lives in Lincoln or Omaha already, right? 
Exactly. Exactly right. So, do you get movies from uh, like Scotts Bluff and that far west? Do people travel from all over, or where are some of the movies coming from? We, uh, you know, we have a, a really good showing from North Platte. Weirdly, um, I know last year we had a, a really good documentary come out from North Platte. Uh, I think we've got one this year too. Um, I, don't, I can't remember what the name of that one was, but that's not super important. But yeah, we I've seen from North Platte. I think we had one. Oh, it was, it was Western Nebraska. Josh, I don't know if you remember the, uh, it was the film that was, I think it was like a rock museum. Oh yeah. I, the, from, uh, that played last year. Yeah. Uh, I'm really bad at like, uh, where the films are coming. I'm, I'm more of a, I remember names of filmmakers and, and who made things. And, but I, I'm not really great about where people are coming from. I'm going to be really honest with you. Um, <laughs> uh, I do know they're all over the place. I do know that every year it seems like a new small town or a new place shows up uh, to where a film came from. So um, that's been really nice that, you know, you, you a lot of people don't know that the film scene is is here. And it's it's all over the place. And even said myself, I I focus so much on Lincoln and Omaha that even I forget sometimes that they're they're everywhere. Um, and so it's nice when those submissions start coming in that we go, oh my gosh, there's a film from this place, and there's a film from this place, and it's just they're they're all over the place here in Nebraska. If you're just joining us, I'm talking with Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale about this year's Flatwater Film Festival, which will be held on October 6th through 8th at the Rivoli Theater in Seward, Nebraska. Who's your favorite local filmmaker? What's your favorite film made by a Nebraskan? Join the conversation on social media or call in with a brief voicemail to 402-881-0089, which we may play in one of our upcoming shows. It's interesting that because there's such big film scenes, art house scenes in Omaha and Lincoln in particular, uh, you would assume that people would know that there's more filmmakers, but you sort of do have to look closely to find the local filmmakers themselves, and you have to find something like the Flatwater Film Festival. Like, I know you mentioned your first movie, playing at the Ross. Uh, you know, we've got film streams here in Omaha, but they're not particularly interested in playing a whole lot of local stuff unless it's got a big distributor attached. And so, I don't mm-hmm. know. Part of your mission seems to be creating a space where it's not like you have to you don't have to necessarily compete with whatever's getting picked up by a twenty four to have a platform. <laughs> and so, I mean, I, I think sometimes people look at it as like, well, you got to get better to get up there. But also, practicing should be more than just making something because also getting that response from an audience, watching something with an audience, is totally different than just putting it up on YouTube and assuming how it's being watched. Uh, so would you say that part of the mission as well is to foster a film community of people who are, you know, whether it's just fun, whether they're growing as a hobby, that we sort of need a venue for the people who uh, aren't always going to get uh, the attention from a national audience, but like we need there to be a Nebraska audience, right? You're trying to foster that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that was kind of the basis of obviously uh, Prairie Lights Film Festival and now Flatwater is we're, we're giving those people that opportunity to, yeah, you can put your film up on uh, on YouTube, but how cool would it be to see your film up on the big screen with uh, with a theater full of people or a, however many people were able to come to the theater? It, that's, that's what you want, and that's what helps build those filmmakers year after year is, oh, 
I, I got to see uh, my, my two minute short up on the big screen. I'm going to go out and make another one. Um, that's, that's our, that's our goal is we want to grow that community as best we can. And if we can help them get closer and closer to that quote unquote, uh, Hollywood experience, then I think we've done our job. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's really nice to the, the non-competitive thing also there, you know, it's really nice to, to know and, and see that, you know, a, a film by a, you know, a, a more seasoned filmmaker can play right next to a filmmaker that's just getting started out and it's a conversation starter and it's, it's tying those new filmmakers to those, you know, more seasoned filmmakers and, and putting them in a room together and they can learn from each other and they can, uh, you know, take things away from the festival to, to get better um, at what they're trying to do. Uh, And that's, you know, that's a big thing. Is, is getting those people in a room and, uh, you know, learning from each other. Yeah, you know, nobody wants to hear it, but I, I've had experiences where I've had movies that have played really well at, uh, at the festivals here. I've had ones that didn't play so well. But there's a, there's a lot of uh, learning you can – a lot of lessons to be learned from just sitting through your movie that's not playing that well, too – that uh, you need an audience for sometimes, right? Like, uh, oh, I shouldn't have the 20-minute dialogue scene there if I can't make it sound good, you know? like uh, Sometimes mm-hmm. you can talk yourself into all kinds of things when you're in the edit that is just totally different when you're watching it with people who have insights because they are interested in film or are filmmakers, but then just, like, does this work on a scene-by-scene basis? It, it's it's very interesting. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree with you there. I. I look at it kind of a uh, backwards from how you see the uh, how you see Hollywood movies come out, where you have the first movie that's probably the best of the series, and then as you go down the line, as more sequels are created, you see a uh, a diminish in not necessarily quality of production or quality of actors and things like that. On our side, every movie that we make, the next one should be better because we're we're out there in the trenches learning about how to do different things and different things. And um, exactly like you said, you've got, uh, if you don't see that in the theaters, you can, you get that advice from other filmmakers of, you know, I I was stuck on this scene. What would you think, or what would you do in this situation or things like that? And I think that's what, that's what puts us in a very unique position. I think Greg get it. But, you know, um, one of my favorite things that came out of, out of Prey Lights um, maybe this is off the, the rails, but one of my uh, favorite things that came out of, of, out of Prey Lights was there was a, um, somebody that showed up one year that had never made a movie before. And uh, at the end of that festival, they, they asked, like, hey, if I go out and I make a movie um, or I make a film, can I, can I show it here next year? And they were told, absolutely, um, please go do that. And, um, and that person did, and, uh, and they screened it pray lights that next year and um uh that person still today is is making films and we've screened films from that person and that is you know a, a, what i'm kind of hoping people get out of out of this festival as well is that i hope somebody that's really interested in in filmmaking shows up one day and asks hey, if i make a movie can i screen this here next year and I'm going to tell them the same thing that that other filmmaker was told. Absolutely. Go out and make a movie. 
anybody can do this. Uh, you just got to go out and do it. So um, I, I went off the rails there, but I just wanted <laughs> no, to make no, sure I got that in there. I think that was a big deal. That was a big deal to me. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. Um, well, and so you guys, I, I know in, in Prairie Lights, there was not any, you've talked about the non, the lack of competition is kind of baked into the philosophy of this thing. So Prairie Lights did not have any kind of awards from a jury or a, an audience award. Does that also carry over into Flatwater? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we, we are a non-competitive platform and we do that just because we want those filmmakers to feel comfortable coming in and watching their films more so the the new filmmakers it, it helps give them that confidence of okay i can go in and i can play with or i could play my film with somebody who's been making films for 15 years and i know that i there because i get to see my film i don't have to worry about is mine good enough or does mine stand a chance against the one that has the ten thousand dollar production budget and whatever you know we we want them to come in and enjoy their film bring your family bring your friends bring your bring your crew and your cast watch your film on the big screen be happy be excited for what you did doesn't matter how good it is doesn't matter how bad it is you created something from nothing and now you get to see that on the big screen and now you can take from it what you will go back and try it again and we'll play it again next year or whatever that happens to be but that's why we wanted to take that competitive edge out of our film festival so that everybody could really come in in a relaxed atmosphere and just enjoy the festival for local local films. And so the festival is October 6th through 8th. So it starts Friday afternoon and runs through Sunday afternoon. Is that right? Yes. Yep. It'll start Friday night. And I think it's, it kicks off at 630 on Friday night. Um, there is a little bit of a, a get together and I don't know, uh, just like a little get together uh, before the festival starts. Uh, we have that at Red Path every year that's hosted by NIFP. It's just another event to, to get not only filmmakers, but just, you know, everybody together and, uh, you know, just kind of start easing into the, the festival. And um, but, yeah, the festival starts at 630 Friday night and it goes into yeah sunday afternoon and then uh you've got panels those will be on the saturday right so if people want to learn or get some insight from people outside of the context of watching the movies but from people who have made them uh they can they can also go to those right yep there's a uh, panels uh scheduled in the afternoon there's a director's round table uh which i think is really great and everybody should should go to um again gives directors and ex another really kind of cool experience to, to get up on stage and, and talk about their filmmaking experience, which I think everybody should have an opportunity to do at some point. Um, yeah, the, the, the panels are, are a really great learning tool at that festival. And so uh, I, I really appreciate that you guys were able to talk to me about this. Uh, for people who want to learn more, want to look at the schedule, maybe just familiarize their, their, themselves with what the Flatwater Film Festival is, what's playing, where should they go? So you can, you can check out all that information. That's over at flatwaterfilmfestival.com. Um, we also have our, uh, our social media pages on Facebook uh, and Instagram. And we're, we're trying to keep everybody as updated as possible with uh, films that are being premiered. And uh, we'll have a, a full-on schedule drop here, I think, within the week. 
Uh, I think we're still working on a few tweaks there, but otherwise uh, the website and our social media pages are the best places to get all that information. Josh Wexelman and Greg Gale, thank you for being here today. I look forward to seeing you in Seward at the festival. Sounds great. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Riverside Chance is a production of KIOS 91.5 FM, Omaha Public Radio. The show is produced and edited by Courtney Bierman. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos. Our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. Remember, you can find the backlog of all of these conversations wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe today and please leave us a review. As always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noblock. Thank you.